Greetings from the strolling studio of No Fixed Address. I have a question for you this morning. Have you ever been in a place where you knew you were out of your depth? Where you knew that you were beholding something or taking part in something that was much bigger and stronger and more complex and powerful than yourself or anything that was within your control? I can think of when my kids were born. It's this amazing privilege to be there and to watch it and to see this thing that has happened billions and billions of times, but when you see it for the first time yourself, you're absolutely speechless. It's amazing that the body works the way that it does, and you're seeing God's craftsmanship in an amazing way. Um, I, but I also think of like things like, have you ever been on a boat where you lost sight of land? It makes you feel very, very small, Right? Right? When you're on land, you can kind of get around. When you're on a boat, and it's just miles of ocean in every direction, all that means is, is if you're off that boat, that's it. You're, you don't have control anymore at all. Um, but these things where you see something that is much bigger than you, much more complex than you. I remember being driving through Colorado and seeing the mountains. I had come from the East Coast at the time, and my dad said, you know, look at those. I said, look at those mountains. He says, those are foothills. And then I saw the mountains behind them and they looked like Greek gods walking on the underside of the clouds. Just absolutely breathtaking. And there was this sense that I was very small and I was seeing something that was very amazing and large. And we kind of see that today in our, in our scripture from Isaiah First of all, welcome to geocaching scripture. Geocaching is this geography nerd hobby where, you know, you you go on a hike and you get the coordinates for a geocache, which is usually like a little pill bottle or something that has like a, a log in it that you can write, you know, hey, I found this and you put it back. And it's all just an adventure of finding it, right? It's an invention of finding these little things that make uh, something that's familiar, uh, gives it dimension, gives it... Um, standing that it that it didn't have before and, and interest that it didn't have before um, and I found that to be a pretty good metaphor for the way I interact with scripture as an adult I grew up in the church born on Saturday and church on Sunday and some of the scriptures like oh, okay yeah I know this one this is the one about Adam and Eve this is the one about the ark this is the one about Abraham and Isaac whatever but then when I find that I dig further into it there are there is treasure and dimension uh, that I had never seen before. And some of it is in these what I call little geocaches, almost these tiny treasures in the big truth that teach us things and that help us to look just down into one place and to drill down on that one place and see what riches are there. And so that's what we're going to do. We're going to geocache today. And our scripture is Isaiah chapter 6 and verse 7. Isaiah's vision of the Lord in the year that King Uzziah died. I saw the Lord sitting high upon a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him stood the seraphim. Each had six wings, with two he covered his face, with two he covered his feet, with two he flew. And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations of the thresholds shook at the voice of him who called, and the house was filled with smoke. And I said, Woe is me, for I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. <clears throat> for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. 
Then one of the seraphim flew, having in his hand a burning coal that he had taken with tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away, and your sin is atoned for. So this is Isaiah in his call to ministry. And it's just such a powerful image of these this moment when he interacts with the presence of God in a way that nobody ever has. Um, and he is without words. He's speechless. That's what brought that question to mind. It's just like seeing my, my kids born and seeing, okay, there's my wife, and okay, now there's suddenly a child, a living human being, and I'm speechless. And I love it. Woe is me, for I am lost. And I see that in the world all the time as I get older, as I look and I see uh, God's amazing work in this amazing world. And I say, woe is me, for I am lost. I like what the King James says, woe is me, for I am undone. For I am undone. All of this is bigger and stronger and brighter and heavier than I could ever imagine. We see these undone moments in life, when you touch that place where the universe is much bigger than you can imagine, where God's work is much bigger than you can imagine. I can remember being a chaplain, um, and I, so I was a chaplain for six years uh, in a few different hospital systems. And I had one night where um, I was working on call overnight, and I got called at two in the morning or so, and I went in. And what had happened was somebody was life flighted to the hospital. And he had died in the helicopter. And I was, you know, seeing the flight crew there. Lots of people were disturbed by it, and his family, and I was helping to care for them and everything else. And it was very sad, and it was very unique. Most of the time when somebody gets life flighted, they have so much support, you don't usually have a death in the air like that. Um, and it was just kind of stuck out in my mind. And well, about three days later, um, I had a patient in the, in the psych unit who... Uh, who had gone into a breakdown and was having a lot of trouble, and she was really, really disturbed by this. And, and, and I said, you know, what happened? She said, my dad died in a helicopter in flight to the ER. And I said, I was there. And I said, woe is me, for I am undone. God's work connecting these things to totally disparate events that he was connecting. And that's pretty amazing. Um, and the geocache here is to see this, what happens in the temple when God is present. First of all, the seraphim are, are saying over and over, holy, holy, holy. And that's an interest, that's a Hebrewism where what you say when something like we would say inky black, blackness or, um, you know, dark as a well or something like that. When we talked about something that's really dark in Hebrew, you say dark, dark, dark. And that emphasizes it. So they say, holy, holy, holy. And that emphasizes the holiness of God. I think that one's kind of cool. The geocache, though, is to pay attention to what happens when God is present and when we are undone. Because we see the temple thresholds shaking, the temple almost breaking down. We see Isaiah in the presence of God, somehow protected by having this coal cleanse his lips and saying, my sin is atoned for, which was kind of an unheard of word in the Old Testament, that atoning, um, you know, that was what sacrifices did. And, and where were the sacrifices here? And why was sin being atoned for? And it seemed to become more clear to Isaiah as he was writing 52 and 53, all these things about Jesus 
long ahead of time about the suffering serpent that became these uh, very clear prophecies of Jesus. And maybe he was talking about atonement in that sense. Who knows? Um, But anyway, back to the temple shaking, back to the breaking and cracking and scariness. Matthew 27, verse 45 and 51. Now from the sixth hour, that place was darkness all over the land until the ninth hour. And behold, the curtain of of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, and the earth shook, and the rocks were split. And that is because God was present. Because the veil between the eternal and the world was thin once again like it was in Isaiah's vision. And you see the same thing happen to the temple, and this is what happens when Jesus dies. Because God is present, because God is on the move. Right? And this is what's come to be called the crucifixion darkness. And it's this dialogue uh, through history and and theological history and other things. Crucifixion darkness. What happened that afternoon? You know, the sun goes out, basically. And um, one of the things that's interesting here, there was a, a... an ancient theologian, or not theologian, an ancient historian who was an anti-Christian guy named Thallus. And Thallus actually got quoted in um, some other books. So we don't have his book. We have books that quoted him. It's just how it works in the ancient world a lot is because, you know, half of the writing has pretty much disappeared, except, of course, for copies of the New Testament. And that's a whole different thing. But one of the things that he said was that that afternoon of darkness probably could have been an eclipse. He's obviously answering a dialogue about people saying, you remember when it was dark for no reason in the afternoon? So this darkness, here we have somebody attesting to the fact that that happened outside of the New Testament community and saying, oh, well, yeah, it was probably just an eclipse. So he had to explain it. So something obviously happened. A lot of the, one of the critiques that we often hear is that the only history of the Jesus movement comes in the New Testament, and that's just not accurate. You see other places like this where they see, you know, something happened, something changed. Woe is me, for I am undone. For I am a man. I am only a man. And that's part of the, the, the thing here. When we see that grand story come together, we see this happening to Isaiah centuries before it happened with Jesus. And we get a glimpse into the overarching grand narrative that is the story of redemption. And we are undone by the beauty and intricacy and power of that. Woe is me, for I am undone. May we not lose our undoneness but be able to look in wonder at God's wonder always. Pax Humana. Cheers. Cheers.